Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our seniors minister, Jack Hall, as he brings today's lesson. Justice, you keep bringing us those songs and keep singing them. Words are beautiful. We will learn them and get better. We appreciate your presence tonight. I admit to you that the material that I'm going to present would probably make a much better class than it is a sermon. And so the obvious question is, well, why are you preaching the sermon? Why don't you wait until class time? Well, I don't know when class time might be. And just recently, I was engaged in a discussion about time and how time is kept in Scripture. And particularly, what does it mean when it says Jesus walked on the water in the fourth hour of the night? If we don't understand how time was kept in New Testament times, then we can't fully understand what the Bible is telling us. Now, I've preached sermons before about time. This material is not going to be new, but it's fresh in my mind. And while I was making the outline for the person that I was having this discussion with, I thought, I need a sermon Sunday night. Why not? So I hope that you uh, enjoy the information. You probably already know it, but it never hurts to be reminded. You know, the keeping of a calendar, the history of how that happens is fascinating. They didn't have all the technology thousands of years ago that we have, and we can keep time to the millionth of a second. The world clock is reset every so often, and it's either moved up or back by 0.0000001 second. So we're pretty sophisticated. We know how to keep time. We know how a 12-month calendar works. But that wasn't always the case. Man through the centuries has tried to develop calendars and they're always based on the sun. Well, you and I both know that if you base all of your calendars on the sun, it's not going to be too long until your calendar 12 month is all out of whack. Because in the summertime, the sun shines longer. The winter is, it's, uh, the days are shorter. And so if you look only at the sun and determine, well, this is going to be our month it's not going to work very long. And so man through the centuries has retooled, reworked the calendar, and has tried to find better ways to keep time until today uh, it's not an issue at all. But in the time of Jesus, in the time that the New Testament was written, it is important to understand how time was kept. Jewish time and Roman time were different. Our 24-hour day and our 12-month calendar is based on the Roman way of keeping time. The Roman day was like our day. It was 24 hours. The Jewish day was 24 hours, but it was divided into two 12-hour sections, two 12-hour sections. 
Six o'clock was the beginning of each of those sections. The Jewish New Day began at 6 p.m. and lasted until 6 a.m., 12 hours. At 6 a.m., a new time is starting and it will last until 6 o'clock again. So when they keep time, they kept it by the hour. If you start with six, whether it's day or night, and you say it happened the third hour, well, you just take your six and you add three. One, two, three. What time is it? Nine o'clock. And that's the way the Jewish people kept time. Very different from Roman time. Roman time was not first hour of the day, first hour of the night. It was just the 24-hour day like we have today. And the reason this is so important is when it talks about the hour of the day or the hour of the night, which is it talking about? Is it talking Roman time? Is it talking Jewish time? And how do we really know uh, what time it was? Now, time was not precise in those days, obviously. But they did a pretty good job with uh, sundials. Uh, they had water wheels that would keep time. Uh, they had the sand through the hourglass that kept time. But for our understanding of Scripture, we really need to know how time was kept and what does it mean when it says that Jesus walked on the water in the fourth hour or the fourth watch. In John chapter 11 and verse 9, if you want to turn there, Jesus assures us of this timekeeping method. John chapter 9 or chapter 11 and verse 9, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He teaches us two things there. That in the Jewish day, it was divided. It was a 12-hour day. 12-hour day. That's the first lesson. The second lesson it's safer to walk during the day when there is light. And that's a spiritual teaching. We are safer walking with Jesus who is the light. So Jesus confirms how the Jews kept the calendar. It was a 12-hour day. It was a 12-hour night. And in the day, it's safer because the light is there and we should follow the light of Jesus Christ. By the time of Christ, the Jewish people had changed how they kept the time. It began centuries ago by first hour, the second hour, the third hour, the fourth hour, and it was not the, the 24 hour, but by the time of Christ, they didn't keep the night time counted by the hour. The daytime, it was the third hour, 
the fifth hour, the sixth hour, whatever it was. But at nighttime, it became the watch. That 12-hour period, which is night, remember it began at 6 p.m. and continued until 6 a.m. That time, which is night, was broken up into four watches. Now, we're not sure why they did this. Probably a thing of safety during the night. There were probably guards on the towers. There were people at the door, perhaps, at the gate to the city. But they changed how they kept the time, and they divided that 12 hours of night into watches. The first watch, being on guard, being on duty, was from 6 to 9. Remember, the day starts at 6 p.m. So the first watch was from 6 p.m. till 9 p.m. And then you had the second watch, which was from 9 p.m. to midnight. And then you had the third watch, which was midnight to 3. And then you had the fourth watch, which was 3 to 6. Now, let's see how that plays out in Scripture. In Mark chapter 14, in verse 25, Peter walked on the water in the fourth watch. Peter walked on the water in the fourth watch. What time would that have been? Between... Six, six to nine. Yeah, it would be in the early, early hours of the day. The fourth watch, that's the last watch. It's from six till uh, nine to six. Those numbers aren't adding up in my head. Uh, uh, First watch, six to nine. Second watch, nine to midnight. Third watch, midnight to three. Fourth watch, three to six. Okay. Peter walked on the water at the fourth watch sometime early, early in the morning. Sometime early, early in the morning. What are they doing out on that lake that early in the morning? And if you don't know what the fourth watch is, you don't have a clue. We don't know when he walked on the water. I don't know that it's important that we know, but we should understand when the Bible tells us that it would happen in the fourth watch. Why is that significant? Because it took place at such an early, early time of the day. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 48, Jesus calmed the storm when? During the fourth watch, early, early morning. In Mark chapter 13, I'm going to read that scripture, Jesus references all three or four of the watches in talking about his return. Notice as I read, and if you want to read with me, all four watches are listed here. Mark chapter chapter 13, beginning in verse 31. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Notice, but of that hour and day, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, 
nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house, gave authority to his servants to teach his work and to command the doorkeepers to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. We do not know when the Son of God will return, but he references all four times of the night, telling us that we could very well be sleeping. We could be doing whatever it is in our normal routine because we have no idea when Christ is returning. It could happen during any of these times. And then we read in Luke chapter 12 and 37 that Jesus says he could come during the third watch. Jesus is trying to tell the audience as they have been told through the prophets and, and the preaching of the gospel and so on, he is warning them again and again, be prepared because you don't know when he's coming. I don't know when he's coming. Not even the angels know when he's coming. It could be that third watch. It could be that fourth watch. It could be at the time that you least expect him. <clears throat> Passages take on a new meaning when we know the time reference, whether it's morning or night. Jesus met the woman at the well, John chapter 4 and verse 6. He met her at the sixth hour. Remember Jewish time. The sixth hour would be noon. The new start at 6. Count the hours, seven, eight, nine, six, add three, at noon. I'm still not adding that up right on my head, but I, I hope I'm confusing you enough that you'll go home and look it up. What's the significance of Jesus meeting the woman at the well at noon? Well, the heat and the idea that there would be people there at the well during the hot part of the day because that's when people need water. And so there's a significance as to the time that Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. It was at noon, the very heat of the day. In Acts chapter 2, when the apostles were accused of being drunk, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began to speak in languages. And uh, Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, that they are not drunk because it's only the third hour of the day. What time is that? 6, add 3, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. We're not drunk. It's too early in the morning. Even if we did drink, we wouldn't be drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> Peter and John went up to the temple. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. It says they went at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, 3 p.m. The ninth hour, the power, the time of prayer. Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius the Gentile was praying, the Bible says, at the ninth hour, the time of prayer, 
3 p.m. And so when we understand what time according to how we understand it, then we can make the application to Scripture and it will help us. Now, these time things are particularly important when you try to follow the timeline of Christ during the last week of his life, when he was in Jerusalem preparing for being crucified. I want to share a couple of scriptures, and it seems like there might be a contradiction, but there is not. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 23, the crucifixion was on Friday, the day before the Sabbath. The crucifixion was on Friday, day before the Sabbath. What time was the crucifixion? I was asked just recently to help somebody understand that Jesus was not in the grave for three 24-hour days. He could not have been. But the Jewish system of keeping time that a part of any one day stood for the whole day. So when Jesus is crucified on Friday, and we're going to see the time here in a moment, and then he is buried, and then he is resurrected, he did not spend three 24-hour days, but he spent part of three days, Friday, all of Saturday, and part of Sunday. And that's the three days in the tomb. When we look at the time frame, it will be very clear to understand when Jesus was crucified and how long he was in the tomb. John 19, if you'd open there, verses 13 and 14, and if you have a pencil or a pen and you want to mark in your Bible, I want to point out something to you. It said, and when Pilate therefore heard that saying, that is that the people can kill Christ, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that's called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, you may want to underline that, about the sixth hour he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him, Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So in John's account of the trial and crucifixion of Christ, he says that Christ went on trial, if you will, before Pilate at the sixth hour. Now just keep that in your mind and turn to Mark chapter 15 and verse 25. Mark chapter 15 and verse 25. And there it says that Jesus was nailed to the cross at the third hour. You might want to mark it. Why am I hesitating? John said he didn't go on trial until the sixth hour. Mark says he was crucified on the third hour. It sounds like he was crucified before he was put on trial. 
And that's an issue if that's the case. But it's not. John is simply using Roman time. The crucifixion of Christ, the trial of Christ, is going to be part of the record of the courts. And John is using Roman time, not Jewish time. And so Jesus was put on trial at nine, 6 a.m., rather, 6 a.m., and he was nailed to the cross at 9 a.m. So he went on trial at 6. At 9 o'clock, the trial is over, mockery of a trial, and he is crucified. Mark, or rather Matthew chapter 27 and verse 45. It was dark from the sixth hour, which is noon, until the ninth hour, which is three o'clock. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He has been there since 9 a.m. Noon comes and the place is black. It's completely dark from noon until 3 p.m. using Jewish time. Christ was on trial at 6.30. He's crucified at 9.30. It's now noon, and for three hours, there is total darkness. In Matthew 27, a continuation of the crucifixion, Jesus spoke to them and gave up his spirit at the ninth hour. The ninth hour, 3 p.m. He went on trial at 6. He was hanging there at noon. Three hours when the darkness has passed, Jesus is still alive, and he speaks his last words and gives up the Spirit. When was Jesus buried in the tomb? Well, he had to be buried before the day of Sabbath. Mark chapter 15, verses 42 through 46. Jesus is buried in the evening before the Sabbath. So Jesus, according to scripture, and according to a proper understanding of how time was kept, was on the cross until 3 p.m., because he was still alive, and before 6 p.m., he was buried. Don't know when, but there's a three-hour period that we know Jesus spoke his last words and he died and he had to be buried before the Sabbath. The Jews, of course, rested on the Sabbath, Sunday. Jesus has been in the tomb for an hour, two hours, three at the very most, He's there all of the 24-hour period of Saturday. And then Sunday morning, when they go to the grave, they go very early. In Matthew's account, he says, as the first day of the week began. Mark's account, very early in the morning. Luke's account, very early in the morning. John's account, while it was still dark. Jesus went into the tomb sometime between 3 and 6 o'clock on Friday. He was there all day Saturday, 
And very, very early on Sunday morning, he was resurrected. That's the time frame that we can understand if we understand how the time is kept. Now, this is not information that is a salvation issue. If we don't know the exact hours and we get all bumfuzzled, as I did up here, trying to count my fingers, you know, and, and the numbers. But if you take your time and read through it, it's very clear what time he went on trial, what time he was crucified, how long he was on the cross, about what time he died, and about what time he was buried. And then we know that he was resurrected. So when it says three days, when he went in the tomb on Friday, even though it was only a couple of hours, that counts. 24 hours on Saturday, and then very early on Sunday. He wasn't in the grave very long because he was resurrected on Sunday. But according to Jewish time, it's three days. It's three days. It's not three 24-hour days, but it's three days according to the Jewish calendar. Now, the importance of all of this for us is that Jesus Christ was crucified. He was crucified as a sacrifice for our sins. His blood is the only agent that can cleanse sin. Had he not died, had he not been sacrificed and resurrected, there is no hope for any of us. But because he was sacrificed, he shed his blood, he was resurrected, we have the assurance that that blood of the precious Son of God can wash away our sins. And when we leave here tonight, if we don't remember the time and we get messed up trying to work it out, it's not important. What's important is that we have a Savior. I pray tonight if you have not been buried with your Lord in baptism in order that his blood can cleanse you of sin, I would encourage you tonight to do so. If there are issues in your life that you're struggling with and you just need help, we'd be glad to pray for you and with you. Our elders will be down front as we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.